that was very helpful. And in fact, I feel like I'm definitely in a better place now after having this conversation with you because you're right. That's what I think makes your work different and better than others. I definitely don't think I'd be engaged to him or in the relationship I'm in if I hadn't listened to you at all. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker, and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit?, how a man decides to make you the one. Before I bring on my guests today, I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about something that I'm told I don't talk about enough, the women I've helped get engaged and married. When just last month, three of my clients got engaged and one got married, I realized that what I'm told is right. Yes, I need to let you know about that kind of success because you can have it. As of this recording, 10 women that I have worked with or I know about have gotten married. I say I know about because I work almost exclusively with women when they are at a serious low point in their romantic life. They think all hope is lost. They come to me exhausted from dating or years of relationships that have failed to go the distance and most importantly, following breakups because I help them get their love back better and committed. We work together, get the man back, and get on a transformative track. After things are running smoothly, clients choose whether they wish to continue with my support or whether they feel confident enough to take their learning and new skills the distance themselves. That's what it's all about. But this is why I sometimes don't find out about a marriage for one of my clients for years. And for listeners here and followers on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, perhaps I never hear. I just found out about one marriage last week from a guest on the podcast who was referred by a now married former client of mine who got married to the man she and I were talking about when she coached with me. Another ran into a friend of mine introduced her husband, and when he excused himself, she said, you know it was following Paula that got me that amazing man. You may not think that the 10 marriages I know about is a lot, but you see, I only work with about 20 women in any given year, and probably half of those 20 are continuing with me in a second year. So maybe only 10 new women a year. And I trust you can hear from this podcast how the relationships women come to me about are not working. They're not going well for the men at all, and certainly not for the woman who's calling me. It's not going well. Most are completely on the rocks or broken up, and yet by working together, we get to I do. Or on the flip side, where the woman says, I don't want this anymore. So... About two marriages a year is quite a win. That's not counting the engagements. And transformation is always a win. Whether it ends up in marriage or moving on because you don't want a man a relationship and are leveling up. 
My guest today is 39-year-old Isla, who says she suffers from anxious attachment and, quote-unquote, keeps pushing men away. Nearly 40, she wants to stop doing this and make things work with 35-year-old Ivan. The two have only been dating a few months and already had numerous arguments spurred by Isla feeling that Ivan wasn't spending enough time with her. At first, Ivan would talk through it, but he's now gone silent and stopped contacting her. Isla is conflicted about reaching out to Ivan or continuing to wait. She wants to stay high value and is seeking my advice on what she can do now to handle her anxiety and move in the right direction. Welcome, Isla. Thank you. Tell me how you met Ivan. We met online um, and we had a great conversation on there. And then we took the conversation pretty shortly um, after that to talking over the phone. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? We did go on our first date within, I would say, a, a week of co connecting. And we just actually did a casual meetup, which I like, and it went really well. We talked for a very long time. We just kind of connected from there, and then we went on an official date about three or four days later. I like hearing that you went from going back and forth online to talking on the phone. Hopefully that wasn't too long. And then you got to a first meeting I call it a first meeting. Some rules people call it date zero. Other people call it a first date. I really like the term first meeting because for women, it's good that we think of it as simply a fun meeting to see if we would be interested in going on a date, a real date. Now to the man, it's going to more feel like a date in most cases. Ergo, I have a particular place I like for people to meet. You say it was casual. Where did you meet that first time? It was at a Jamba Juice. Okay. That, I would say, didn't serve you very well. And why do you think I might say that? Um maybe there's it's loud in there <laughs> for one thing it was kind of loud with the smoothie machines um and maybe it's not a super like it, i don't know i think it has to be intimate but a place where you can talk easily maybe i'm not sure if that's the reason you're on the right track but psychologically there's much more to it it's why in my one love course i talk about the where the when and the why the why of the where and when. Because you want to set yourself up for the best chance of going the distance with a man should you like him. That's what's important. And when we don't psychologically set ourselves up properly, it hurts us in the end, possibly. Or to even getting to that first date. Anything like Jamba Juice, coffee, a hike, anything like that, is going to hurt you. Because it's not at all enticing to the man. It's not romantic. It's not the right time of day, usually. None of it sets you up for something whereby he feels way deep inside, even if he would never admit it, 
where he feels that there's a possibility he's going to get sex from that first meeting. Now, we know, most generally speaking, obviously that's not going to happen. Most of us here, if you're listening to this, you're not having sex on a first meeting. But men, in terms of their dating, would like that to always be a possibility underneath, way underneath. So the possibility of sex may not even be in his conscious awareness, but it's just there. And dating is supposed to be titillating in a way, flirty, fun, possibilities. And Jamba Juice, coffee, a hike even, a walk, those are things you do with a friend, with a colleague. And what I mean by that is that when you are in a relationship, you will be going for Jamba Juice, but that's something you do on Saturday morning after you've had a great Friday night together. It's not where you meet to set you up to be more than, eh, nice girl, pretty, yes, but not something that is inspiring to the man, more compelling. You are not setting yourself up psychologically for the best possibilities. Why is it that romantic dinners are set in certain places, certain restaurants? Certain restaurants are romance-related, fine dining, certain ambiances. Others are sports bars. McDonald's is very different than Le Cirque. And it's not just the price point. In other words, there can be a quaint little romantic place that is not four stars. It's not just about price. It's about the ambiance. And we want to go to a place where the ambiance is more towards something whereby the man will view you in a certain way because he met you there. So that's food for thought. Just want to put that out there because it's very important for women to hear it, know it. If you haven't and you're listening to this for the first time or you haven't gotten it, get my One Love Self-Help course. It will help you immensely with this type of thing to set you up. You don't want to also spend a lot of time. The Jamba Juice date, quote unquote, meeting, Starbucks, coffee, what have you, is the appropriate amount of time typically. No more than an hour and 15 minutes, 90 minutes tops on that first meeting. And I don't care how well it's going. You need to make your exit because you need to leave him wanting more. That makes complete sense. And time of day as well. No afternoons, mornings. No, a possible romance and a setup for romance is evening. That's when you meet. So let's go from there because obviously you started seeing each other. So 
there was something there that sparked his interest. After the Jamba Juice, what happened next? Did he text? Did he call? Did he set a date up right then and there? What happened? Yes. So he called um, since the beginning. He has called me pretty much every day. And he called to ask me my availability the next day. And we met on that Friday evening around 7 p.m. And we did go bowling. (laughs) Okay. And what happened next? We had a great time. Um, We actually kind of, a little bit like being playful again because we competed with each other in arcade games. And then we competed with each other in bowling. And we made a little bet. Whoever won the game, we would kiss for the first time. (laughs) So that was, I mean, it was fun. And we had a good time. We laughed a lot. It felt kind of being like a teenager again in a lot of ways. And it was playful. We had good conversation. It actually just went really well, and I could tell that I was starting to feel chemistry with him for sure. Mm-hmm. When did you first have sex, or have you? We did. Uh, that would be that night. He did invite me in. I said no. Um, I didn't say no like that. I, I basically said, like, that sounds really nice, but I'm not, you know, ready. But then he did come over, was it two days later, I had a friend over and my roommate over who's also my friend, and we played this really fun game. Uh, it was just kind of like a, it was a drinking game, but it was fun. We, it was kind of, it's basically like truth or dare. And so we played that, and then that is the evening that we did that, I had sex for the first time. So that was ostensibly like your third date? Yes. So you had a first meeting and then two real dates. Yes. Okay. So off the bat, I'm seeing it as a bit of an anomaly in terms of him having this kind of pursuit for you given your first meeting. So there must have been a lot of interest from him from the start. Were you as interested in him Yes, it was definitely mutual interest. I think part of where, and I know I I don't always think that this is the case, but I think part of it was our long conversations, our first phone conversation, which I normally do not do, and I don't think it's a good idea, was four hours. And we talked about so many different topics, and I don't think it's a great idea, but I do think that it intrigued his interest because we our conversations were kind of a little bit how I feel like we're becoming somewhat emotionally connected as far as connecting on different talking about families, et cetera. And so I, the interest was definitely there. He was definitely pursuing me, and I felt the same interest back. Okay. So you've identified, and it's very important for you to recognize this and for everyone, what you showed him by being on the phone with him for four hours, did not set this up for you in the best way possible. What do you think it showed him? I think it showed him that I have a lot of time on my hands. 
I think it also showed that I'm kind of giving everything up front. It's not as many layers of the onion, per se, to peel because we were talking about so many different topics, and it doesn't leave a lot of mystery. I, in practice, generally try not to have that long of conversations because it has not always gone well in my dating experience. And it can cause a lot of judgment on both ends if they say one thing you don't like and you don't have that connection yet. So I feel like that was not the best idea. I think it kind of showed him that I have a lot of time, I like to talk, I'm opinionated, all those things. It didn't scare him off, but at the same time, I think it also gave a little too much too soon. Yes, to all of it, for sure. And I would add that it's all of that a bit on steroids because of four hours. When we give a man whom we've not met that kind of time and attention, there's an underlying feeling from the man. And while this may not be the case at all, the impression you give is on a scale, depending on that man's ego, experience, all of it, is that you have is anywhere from you have limited options or all the way on the other end of the scale, there's fundamentally something wrong. And in between, it can be that you lack experience. You're definitely not a worthy opponent and he can consume you. The other thing that's at play here that you want to think about, you had not met him. And we can have incredible connection with men who we would never consider sleeping with. Now, you see a picture, yes, but you really do not know anything about that until you are in his presence. And if we look at it under a bit of a different lens than what occurred in this one case, which was you did like him when you met him, you did have chemistry, but it could have gone completely the opposite way. And you could have met him in five minutes, thought, oh no, I he doesn't wear deodorant and smells. He uh, has such halitosis that I could never. All manner of we don't know what. And you are showing not only that you give that kind of time attention and all the things that we just reported about it, but you would have felt you wasted four hours of your life on that phone call, because I dare say you're not online looking for friends. That's correct. And you're completely right. That has actually happened to me quite a few times where I've talked to them and did not feel any chemistry in person. That's right. We cannot let ourselves go with the feeling we are having in the moment, especially in the beginning. Almost never can we completely do it. But in the beginning, if you don't hold back, you do not allow for the man to feel what he needs to feel, to go through the bumps that I hear you experienced as things progressed. So when did things start getting tweaked for you, whereby you started feeling anxiety, he pulled back, etc.? I was going out of a trip, uh, to a trip outside of the country, and I started getting a little anxious about seeing him before I left. So I was leaving on a Monday morning. He saw me on that Wednesday. But in my mind, I wanted him to see me over the weekend. So over the weekend, when I talked to him, he was like, well, I have plans this weekend. I have to do this and this. 
Um, he owns his own business, and he had to do some other stuff. And I started feeling anxious. That's when the anxiety really started kicking in because it was one of the first times where it was like I was uncertain when we were going to see each other again. I was going out of, out of the country for 10 days, and it started bringing up a lot of anxiety. So I kind of blurted out through a text that, are you seeing other people? And he said, no, I'm not seeing other people. And that was reassuring in a sense. This was a couple months in, but it also was started, my anxiety tends to start happening more when I feel like we're becoming exclusive. I start to hyper-focus a little bit more and worry about what's going to happen and where it's going to go. So that's when it first, I would say, kind of started. And all of that's very normal. You are talking about the normal experience women have after bonding through time and sex and why we want to be sure to set things up along the way whereby he has the most feeling for you and can weather those hiccups. And then, of course, on the flip side of it, we want to be making sure we don't have those hiccups as much as possible. So at what point in your relationship did this happen in terms of time? A month in, two months, how long? It was two months in, almost almost exactly two months. How much had you been seeing each other? It was usually twice a week at that point, usually one weekend night and then one day on the weekend as well, and talking daily. Okay, so you saw each other that Wednesday night. This was a business trip or a leisure trip for you? Leisure. Yeah, it was leisure with my family. I see. What did you talk about that Wednesday night about the trip? Well, actually, he took me to a place a couple days before that Wednesday, so the weekend before, actually, that was related to the country. The food was related to that country, so very thoughtful, and he said he did that on purpose. That Wednesday evening, it wasn't really a lot of talk about the trip. It was more just hanging out after work. He gets off work kind of late, so around like 7 p.m., and we had made food together, and then we just kind of talked and hung out. There wasn't a ton of discussion about the trip, so I don't know like, if that affected him or not. I think he acted like at least that he was excited for me. I'll say that. Okay, so if you had that night or morning, does he stay over? Yes, he did stay over, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that morning, if you had said, so good to see you. I would love to see you again before I leave because it's going to be, how long is your trip? Five days? Ten days. Because it's, ah, so it's going to be ten whole days and I'm going to miss you so much. What do you think he would have said? I think he probably would have made more of an effort to see me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have a really hard time with vulnerability. Even if I like someone, I have a really hard time asking for what I need. Instead, I complain about what I'm not getting. And it's a challenge. Um, I would have probably gotten a lot better, a lot more receptive if I would have done it that way. Okay. Instead, though, you said, it's interesting that you said, I have a hard time with vulnerability. But yet, you picked up your phone and kind of went off on him in text. 
Yes, and actually we talked on the phone that weekend, and that's when I said, like, oh, I'm planning, you know, tomorrow, would you be able to see me before I go? We could go do this or that, even if it's just for a couple hours. And he was basically said, like, no, I actually already have plans, which I didn't know about. And so then I ended up getting a little snarky with him, and I said, well, maybe I'm going to go out too. And then I kind of let him go. And later on, when we talked about it, he said, obviously, he could tell I was upset. Mm-hmm. So a little passive aggressive. Right. That's exactly right. So now we have to deal with what's going on for you, whereby you have trouble being vulnerable because you see that that caused something that was totally unnecessary. Exactly. Correct. It actually causes more trouble by not being vulnerable and being passive aggressive. So I'm not really sure how to learn that behavior, but I sometimes struggle with asking for what I need because I'm afraid I'm going to get rejected and not get it. Right. And that likely has to do with your childhood programming from birth to age seven, whereby your baby mind intuited things, felt things, Uh, had no experiential knowledge, no rational ability. This can be formed when there's no language, but that you are not going to get your needs met. You are hurt. You are disappointed. You have to fight for what you need. You don't feel inherently lovable, worthy, valuable, all of that. And that is your programmed experience and what you will replicate until you get into your own subconscious programming and put in what you want it to be rather than what was programmed by an infant and that infant's experience. Exactly. And I've been replicating the same pattern for 20 years. So that's correct. Uh huh. And this is what we all do. No question. And it is most typically done. And I would say, almost always done with, so this is almost always done with a love interest. And it could happen with others in our lives, but it may not be. So in other words, you may not have anxious attachment with friends, family. You may not have any trouble in the workplace relating. You may not have any trouble socially relating. It will only rear its ugly head in terms of your love life. And why that is, is that our experience as a baby, meaning birth through age seven, programs us most heavily in the area of our inherent value and lovability and trusting of getting our needs met from two people And that becomes our experience of what love is. So we seek to replicate it and are most attracted to and interested in people who will replicate it. This this is why it's so important to reprogram what we believe our experience of love to be, to go from our intellect to reprogram it to be what we want it to be. Because make no mistake, it is the natural programming of the baby mind to connect all of our inherent concept of ourselves when we had no 
higher functioning of a conscious mind to do so. And we are completely and utterly vulnerable. That is our actual definition and experience of what love is in our subconscious. So no matter what we intellectually know love to be, love is kind and it's patient and it's attentive and it treats you with value and all of those things we know in our society of what love actually is intellectually. It is our experience of love that we will replicate and be compelled to replicate. And it's why we must do this work to change that. That's first and foremost. And then we put on top of it what we must do with men to help ensure their interest and pursuit and continuing to love us. That's what our behaviors will promote. That's what we talked about with things like, where do we go on the first meeting? What time of day? How long? Staying on the phone or not staying on the phone? Giving a man attention in text or not? Sending texts first or not? And all of that stuff. Exactly. Yes. And my experience has been more that love is scary. <laughs> so that I end up pushing it away, I think. And that's probably in my subconscious that it equals loss and scary. So I definitely, it's something that I have been trying and will continue to try to reprogram because my fear is that no relationship is going to work out until I do that work. Exactly. And it will not. And it's why I work with this so heavily in my programs. It's it's a two-pronged approach. One without the other will not work very well. And I dare say the strategies with men without doing what we're talking about right now won't do much for you. It will put a Band-Aid on in the moment. It will make things happen well in the moment, but that means anxiety will overtake eventually and it will all come crashing down. Mm-hmm. Because our... Yes, because our subconscious is infinitely more powerful than our intellect. Infinitely. Definitely. I have learned that for yeah. sure that even when I try to think certain things or be logical, it's like, but this is scary. You have to run. You have to do something. It just like overtakes. And the anxiety and anxious attachment really kicks in, especially when I do like someone. When I'm just dating casually or going on dates, I don't have those feelings. And you're correct. I don't have that with my friends or family or coworkers or at work. It's just an intimate relationship and it keeps playing out. Right. So we have to fix that. And what I can help you with today is how you set about that and start it and what you're doing with him right now, where things are, and help you get that on course. And we will do that in a moment. I trust you're enjoying Make Him Wonder and that you're getting a lot of helpful information for the life of love you desire and deserve. So if you're not part of the 80-20 Wonder Club yet, you need to be because now Make Him Wonder is exclusive, a members-only club to listen to every episode, past, present, and future in full, all ad-free. The 80-20 Wonder Club is a Make Him Wonder membership 
that gives you all of seasons one, two, and three in a categorized list by age and relationship status, and a multimedia library of my content, including my book, Relationship Evals, and my Making Magic with Men Mindset Manual, a weekly action step you can focus on to attract and keep the man of your dreams and have him committing to you completely in the coming months. Make this the moment you start living as an 80-20 Wonder Woman, because love, like life, is best lived in 80-20. When you do 80% of what works with men, the 20% you don't won't much matter. Join the 80-20 Wonder Club by going to the 8020wonder.club. Don't miss out. Go now to the 8020wonder.club. You and your man will be glad you did. So we're back with 39-year-old Isla. We were talking about anxious attachment for her that, Isla, you've identified as having been an issue all through your dating and relationship life. You're nearly 40. You want to stop doing this. Do you want children? That is something that I've kind of come to terms with that I'm probably not going to have, at least biologically. And I was always a little bit on the fence. And now I do feel that going forward, it's not something that I want to do at this time. And I don't have much time left, so I don't think it's going to happen. If I can ask, are you saying this simply because you're nearing 40 and you think you cannot? Or is it because you really don't want to? It is a combination of both. You know, I do know that sometimes it can be a little more medically difficult. And I haven't found a person the right partner to have that with. I also wanted to be married before I did that. So that would also be a while in probably. So it is a combination of both. And then on top of that, I have gotten kind of used to living my life a little bit on my terms as far as like traveling and just being able to have my own life. And I know that I understand that children don't have to stop everything. I definitely know that. And most of my friends and family do have kids. But I just think that I've also gotten used to my life as is without children. Okay. So there isn't this rush to be married is what I'm hearing. Not in the same way there used to be. I, I used to feel like I wanted to have one or two kids. And I felt so much more pressure and I ended up dating people that were very wrong for me because I felt this pressure to be married. I don't feel as much pressure anymore, but I do have somewhat from social media and just hearing things, a little bit of an idea that turning 40 is going to make me a lot less desirable and it's going to make me a lot less smaller dating pool because a lot of guys that are older date younger women. So I do have some of those thoughts and fears, but overall, I feel like I don't have that same pressure as I felt when I was younger to get married at a certain time by a certain time. Mm -hmm. My question to you is about Ivan. Mm -hmm. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being absolutely 100%, one being pretty much not at all, where are you Give me a number on the scale of knowing today whether or not if he proposed, you would marry him. I would say about a six, about a six. We have a lot of common values. 
common interests, I know, don't matter as much. We do have some common interests as well. But we both want marriage. We both don't want kids. We both have a lot of the same values with our faith and religion. And we have a lot in common. And both very family-oriented things like that. So I would say a six just because of the time issue. Uh, I didn't get to get all the way through, but some of this, it did kind of start happening where we were not seeing each other very often at all. And for me, that's very important to spend quality time. That's my love language. So it's important for it to progress that we would spend quality time together and that he would not be choosing his friends over me every time. And I'm going to tell you something that I think you're missing here in a big way. And what we tend to do as women, that's, if you've ever heard the term, bass ackwards. Yeah. Because you see, until the man has made a decision to marry, he will not be showing himself necessarily to be other than what the relationship is, which is a dating girlfriend-boyfriend relationship. That means other things will, generally speaking, come first. And here's why. Have you read my book? I have not read the whole thing, no. Okay. You need to. And everybody needs to. Because if you understand the puppy principle, you get it. I have heard you talk about that before. Right. So quickly, we as women generally love cute things like puppies. Whether it's puppies, whether it's kittens, whatever it is. But we like to scroll and watch them. If it is puppies, you get it completely that they're all cute and wonderful in one way, shape, or form. Whether it's the smallest teeny tiny chihuahua or whether it's the biggest Great Dane or Mastiff, they're all cute and wonderful in one way or another. And if we could get down on the floor and be with all different breeds running all over us and consuming them, we would. We'd get all the licks and pets we want. And until we decide to adopt one, we will not be bonded to any We would just want to love and pet on any that come our way. Once we adopt one, because we've made a decision to do so, we then will take on the responsibility for it and to it. And we will do that in a very different way than we would do if we are simply taking care of a friend's pet. We are all puppies to to men as women. They love us all in one way, shape, or form. Absolutely. And if they could get on the ground with all of us and take licks and pets from every single one of us, from the uh, Great Dane to the Chihuahua, they will and they'll love it. But they must make a decision to adopt in order for you to see who they will be to you as the quote-unquote adopter. Does that make sense? It does. makes a lot of sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work to attempt to see in a complete way how he will be before making that 
decision. Now, it's like fostering a puppy. So say you foster one because you're not sure about adopting. So you decide, okay, I'm going to foster it. You take it in, you feed it, you spend time. What happens along the way, if it's too annoying to your life, too confining, isn't getting the training the way you want it to get it, you say, okay, I'm done fostering this one, ready to move on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Makes a lot of sense. Doesn't matter how cute and wonderful and how much you've fallen in love with it. And it's why I have a YouTube video about this and it's my premise, the girlfriend law of diminishing returns. It doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions to the rule, but when we know we would marry because we know he has the foundational qualities, yours is about quality time. And you have an idea of how much time he should be spending with you, but I'm going to tell you something about that time. First and foremost, it's coming from your subconscious programming. And you feel anxious when he's not giving you his time and attention. Yes. That's not quality time coming from just the feeling of, that's my love language. That's your anxious love language because you've been programmed that way. We just discovered all that. Yeah. He doesn't have that anxiety. No, that's very true. And he doesn't have that anxiety. So he's thinking how wonderful she's going on a great trip with her friends. He doesn't have anxious attachment. He doesn't need to see you necessarily any certain amount of time. He's unanxiously attached. All is good for him. Yes. He does not have that same desire or need or want. <laughs> I think you need to understand that it's need on your part. It's filling that anxious attachment, which is the baby mind. If the parental figure is out of sight, that parental figure ceases to exist. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think I've learned a little bit about object impermanence, and I think it's related as far as I definitely feel that with anxious attachment. If I am not seeing them, I do not feel connected to the person I'm dating. I will mm -hmm. start like losing complete interest and feel, and that just to quickly say that partly that was what was going on every weekend in my mind, we were going to see each other. And when that did not happen, I would start an argument with him every Sunday. And he started saying, this is happening every week. Like it's kind of getting frustrating. He's very understanding, but he's like, I have other commitments. I have my job. I have my job. He has a daughter and he has friends and family out here mm -hmm. where we live. Yep. So you've identified the first thing that must happen for you, which is changing that for yourself, because no man will be able to live up to that. I just think that's correct. They haven't been able to. Mm -hmm. Here's what will help it. You see, if you get commitment, it can help to some extent. Have you gotten the nomenclature of boyfriend-girlfriend, exclusivity, all of that? Yeah, I'm sorry, have we had that talk, are you asking? Yes. Has it been said that you are boyfriend-girlfriend, you're exclusive, what's been discussed, or what do you absolutely know? 
we have discussed that we are not seeing other people and that we're in a relationship. We have not used the term boyfriend-girlfriend, at least to each other, and that is something that also gave me a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> so I was afraid to kind of bring it up exactly, but we both have said that we weren't seeing other people, and we both have referred to it as a relationship when talking. To what degree do you think it would help if you got the understanding that you are boyfriend and girlfriend and publicly you're out as boyfriend and girlfriend? I think that would definitely help. I do understand that quelling my anxiety and my fears is not anybody else's responsibility. And even if I have that title, if I'm being completely honest, I still might have some anxiety surrounding it. But I do think that having an actual commitment and actually know what is going on and what we are doing, it would be very helpful for me. So there's part of it for you. And that's what I work with with clients is how do you have that discussion? What do you say? How does that come up? Mm -hmm. How is it not putting pressure? All manner of different things that come up for people at different timelines. Now, you didn't set things up very well so that he felt inspired to do it because he knows you are all in and more. So was there something that happened during the trip or after that you wanted to talk about today? Yes, it was after. So basically it was a couple month and a half, almost two months after. It did continue on where, where I mentioned that pretty much every weekend in my head, when every weekend we did not see each other, I would start getting fear, anxiety, feeling like he doesn't care, that he's not interested anymore. I would talk to my friends and family about it. To be honest, I would obsess a little bit. And then, um, but like I said, argue with him. The first couple times I brought this to his attention, he was very understanding and we would talk through it. What happened most recently and kind of what triggered this call and me wanting to reach out was that I'll, I do want to mention that during those times, I would sometimes say things like, this isn't working. I need someone who's going to spend more time with me, things like that. So kind of almost not ending things, but kind of putting out there like I may have one foot out the door if you can't give me what I need, quote unquote. So what happened was about a month ago, we had not seen each other for almost three weeks. There had been one time in there where he had offered to see me, but it was late and I was tired and I politely declined and asked to reschedule for another day. One thing that he would do was not make plans with me ahead of time. And I would always be available for when he did. And that very much set up a situation where he would make plans with other people, his friends or family. And I, he would just assume I would be waiting around for those plans because I did that. And I set that up in a way that was not healthy where I would just kind of wait around. So I got sick of waiting around <laughs> and I kind of was like, okay, like this is not cool. You know, it's been three weeks since we've seen each other. And I called one evening and he was with his friends and had made plans with them. And he answered and everything, but he was with them. And I thought, wow, after three weeks of not seeing me, not prioritizing me, not really making an effort to make a plan with me, you're with them once again. And I said, it's not about you having friends. I want you to have friends. I want you to enjoy your life. But I also want to you know, be a part of the priority, a part of the pie of your time. 
and I sent a really long text message, which was not a good idea, and it was also like when I'm vulnerable, when I don't want to be vulnerable or rejected, I send text messages, and that was not a good way to go about it at all. Never, ever send those messages <laughs> to the listeners. Uh, for one, it can, they can leave you on red, or it's just it's a terrible idea. But I did, and it was a very long message, and he did not reply to that message. And then about a couple days later, I gave him some space. I said, I missed talking to you. He said he would call me that evening. He did not call. A couple days later, I said, hey, would you be able to give me a call tonight so we can talk? He said, sure, I will do that. He did not call. And uh, he had an item that he had to return back to me, and he returned the item back and has still not said anything, and we have not talked in several weeks now. I see. I'm sorry, because that must be very painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is very painful. It's very stressful, and I've gone through a lot of crying, a lot of talking to my friends and family, a lot of journaling, a lot of trying to figure out what went wrong, what part was my fault, <laughs> a lot of thinking. So I, it keeps, it kind of has gotten me off track in my life as well. I usually go to the gym, a lot, you know, often and stuff, and it has gotten me really off track. And that is partly why I reached out because I, I just feel at a standstill, and I really don't know where to go from here. Okay. I can help you with where you go from here, and we'll do that. What questions immediately come to your mind about it? I think, like, what went wrong, uh, what I could have done differently, I guess, because I can only control my behavior. Was it valid that I was upset that I hadn't seen them in three weeks? Um, There's so many questions, like, what happened? Why is he not saying anything? This is not like him. He's usually more communicative than me. So there's just, like, so many questions. I'm so confused. I do want to mention that he sent one message, and it said, I am sorry that I have not been able to reach out. I found out something about my dad that was upsetting, and I am trying to handle that, but I'm not in a space to talk right now about it. And that was about a week and a half ago. Okay, and I'm going to tell you that you can have him back. But if you do not fundamentally change some things, it will immediately go back to what it was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and will not move forward. You'll be right back here in no time. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Jen. I wanted to catch up with you quickly before the weekend and see how things are going with you and Brad. Funny you should call right now. I'm waiting on Brad at the airport. He asked me to go to the Caribbean for a long romantic weekend. Oh, my gosh. I bet he's going to pop the question. I think so. He said he wanted it to be special and asked me to pack my favorite dressy dress. He should be here any minute now. I'm so excited. Well, I won't keep you. I was just thinking of you after logging into my 8020 Wonder Club membership and hearing another episode about an older woman, younger man relationship. Did you hear the latest one in the categorized list? Yes. I'm so happy I joined. Listening to that particular category has made me believe in the possibility of being Brad's choice, despite our age difference. Absolutely. I'm loving the weekly focus of the Mindset Manual. Even after all these years of being with Mark, there is always something I can do a little better, and the weekly video prompts me to focus in on what's in my control. I really admire that you continue to work on your relationship. It's why you've gone the distance all these years. I can only hope to be as great of a wife to Brad as you are to Mark. I know you will because you are doing what works now. 
Thanks. I owe a lot to you for turning me on to Coach Paula and sending me to the 8020wonder.club. Ah, yes, I know. I wasn't distant and didn't let you off the hook. I'm just glad you took my sage advice and that of Coach Paula's. You'll be seeing this weekend how much it's paying off. I totally believe that and that my manifestation is coming true. Thanks again. You got it. Have a great trip, and I can't wait to hear all about it when you get back. You asked me where things went wrong. Mm -hmm. I believe your intellect knows the answer to that. I gave you some of them right from the start, Mm -hmm. from the very first time you talked to him for four hours. Mm -hmm. We don't generally correlate that stuff to it not going the distance. Because you see, when you were on the phone with him for four hours, you felt this guy is different. He must be all in. He's the kind of guy who can give me that kind of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. None of that's true. It is tantamount to metaphorical version of this. You are walking around your neighborhood and your neighbor walks by with the cutest breed of puppy you absolutely love. It's 12 weeks old. And you bend down and it looks up at you with the cutest face and eyes. And he or she, you know, nuzzles you and kisses you and gently jumps up on you and puts his little paws on you. And you're like, oh my God, you're the cutest thing. I just love you. And you start hugging it. And the neighbor says, you know, I have to go away for a few days. Would you take him right now? And you do. And it's so much fun. It's connected because it's a little love bug and you just have a wonderful time. You know the neighbor's coming back and you're going to give it back. If you wanted to adopt a puppy, you would. But you are a consumer. It was fun. You know where you stand and... If you were really thinking things through, you probably wouldn't. But it's the excitement of the allure of it in that moment. And that's the guy with you spending four hours on the phone. And then just, of course, I'll just take it for a weekend and not thinking ahead to, I'm not thinking about adoption and I don't have to adopt. It's that black and white and simple. And if we don't hold ourselves to a standard of, oh no, you don't just get to pet me and love on me because you feel like it at that time and take up my time for four hours before I've decided that you're worthy and I put you through the paces, it won't work because men fall in love through the pursuit of your time attention, and affection, and they commit through it as well. So does that answer where it went wrong? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm thinking of all the other examples, too, throughout where I just gave my time, literally, like gave up my time and kept it open for him in case he decided to do something. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, because of your programming. You better do that because you're not really wanted. You can't trust that love is going to be there. You see? So we always get back to what has to change? The programming. Mm -hmm. And we can do that easily 
through a bit of time and the clients I work with, it happens so fast when they really get it, take to it and start doing it because we can't get around doing this work. It has to be done. And if you can't afford to go to hypnosis and find somebody that's really willing to work on this issue, which is really tough, because it's not something as straightforward as most hypnotherapists work with, like smoking cessation or any other kind of behavioral modification. In other words, if you wanted to stop reaching out to my boyfriend and text, you could get the subliminal stuff about that perhaps, but that's not going to change this fundamentally mm -hmm. and the anxiety you feel. What other questions? I think like just where to go from here is really what's next. I, I don't, you know, definitely probably mindset shifts and changing those patterns of thought. I just don't know exactly in regards to also just behavior, like reaching out versus not reaching out, giving it time, going no contact, things like that. I'm just not exactly sure. I've been kind of stuck of like, what's my next step? Great question. Absolutely. Okay. The first thing you do is what you've been doing, which is nothing, correct? No reaching out. That's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. He told you something in that text about the father. That's not the reason because if it were really something whereby he was going through something and he proactively reached out and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to spend much time because this has happened with my dad. But no, that's not how it went down at all. So it's likely an untruth or certainly stretching a very small truth to something whereby he can feel he's biding some time for himself. Yep. Yep. And we, that's exactly how I felt when I got the message. Okay. I'm sorry if that is happening. That's what I thought in my head. I also felt like it was an excuse for the behavior. And for me, it was like, okay, you're literally telling me in this message that you do not want to talk. So I can't say anything else because before that I was sending messages here and there. Will you call? I miss talking to you. And that made me realize, no, no, nothing that he's trying to hear right now. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question, Isla. Why would he want to? Yeah, exactly. I think he has begun to associate me with arguing with, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. And if you don't do this or that, I'm going to leave. I think there's some association there of like bickering and arguing. And he has said, like, I want both of us to be peaceful with each other, bring peace to both of each other's lives. So I, I do think there is definitely some of that. And also, I think I was always so available. I was just always so available. Yes. I mean, you have the answer, and that's your intellect, knowing the answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've been together for just about three months, is that right? Exclusively, yes. Dating for about almost six. Like, so, from the beginning, it's been about six. Exclusively I see. for three. Yes. Okay. But he's seeing that this is untenable over the long run. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense when I say it? Yes, it does. Yes. And I have thought that very same thing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want a relationship like this. No. He doesn't have anxious attachment. Exactly. 
Again, it points back to one answer. You must make the change because you've already discovered it's not about going and finding somebody else who will give me the feeling I need to have, the trust I need to have, Mm -hmm. the attention I need to have, the time I need to have. It's an unending sieve. No one can give it to you. Exactly. I was just telling my friends that maybe with him it was quality time. With someone else it was something else. With someone else it was something else. It's always going to be something until working through the anxious attachment and learning how to not act on that behavior. You got it. Excellent. You are at a place to start this work. And when you do and you shift this, And he will come back. He will. You will not trust that. You will hear me say it and you will go to two places. The intellect says, yeah, maybe she's right. The programming subconscious says, no way. He's not coming back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when you do this work, you work from a place of him coming back. I know that he will. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you exactly how. He will. And it's what you do then that will make all the difference in the world. You can reset this. You can restart it. Only if you've done the work on you setting yourself up for when he does come back and you being totally changed. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that's what I am ready to do. (laughs) I feel ready. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to have this same pattern repeated itself for another 20 years. You do not have to. You can change this rapidly for yourself and get on track and start feeling good. Start living in the knowing that you will have a divine right relationship. We want it to be him at the moment. And I'm going to tell you something about where you scaled him at a six. Mm -hmm. This is you not trusting not allowing for feelings, questioning about him, not being the kind of person to spend enough time with you and all of that. Here's a man that got on the phone with you for four hours, spends twice a week with you. If you are married to him, you will be seeing him every day. You will know, which if you know my book, Women Love Through Knowing, that will satiate a lot of your anxiety as well, but you can't do it bass backwards. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it can't be done all through logic. I analyze everything and I'm so logical. My friend just actually recently said to me something similar, like, just can you try to go with your heart? Like, and I don't even know what that feels like because I'm so used to overthinking everything. And that's exactly what I did when I described what was going on because I know what my heart wants, but I have to logically think about everything and say, oh, well, this is why this can't happen or this is why he's doing this. And I think really like it's doing me a disservice, especially as a woman, because like that's not super in feminine energy when I'm always analyzing, thinking, controlling, planning, worrying. It's it's just not working for me. Yes. But on the flip side, Mm -hmm. there's a lack of thinking, planning, doing everything that we know in terms of behaviors that will draw him to you. Yes. 
that exactly that too <laughs> i'm analyzing the wrong things and focusing on the wrong things and going about it in a way that's not helpful so mm -hmm. that's well, true you, too you can fix this you can with wondering what i'm going to tell isla what it is that she can do to fix her anxiety and have ivan all in when he comes back in the rest of this episode I outline these two things that are essential for Isla to implement immediately. One of these things is the work for her to do on changing herself, and the other is what it is that's imperative for her to do upon the very first text that Ivan sends when he comes back. And come back he will if Isla puts no energy towards Ivan whatsoever, and she never reaches out again. That may seem antithetical to you, but when you understand the differences between men and women in the world of romance, you start to change your world and get the divine right results you want in your romantic life. And because I want you to get the results you desire by understanding these two things, I invite you to check out the 8020 Wonder Club to hear the rest of this discussion where I explain to Isla what she needs to do and where she needs to start. The 8020 Wonder Club is an exclusive membership-only club of the Make Him Wonder podcast where you'll get over 130 episodes categorized by age and relationship status, plus all new episodes the moment they're formatted and ready to be aired. Unfiltered coaching conversations like this one, with all my advice and principles to have you succeeding in your romantic life. But there is much more. The 8020 Wonder Club now includes my Making Magic with Men Mindset Manual, a weekly video series for you to focus on each and every week. It alone is valued at over $500 and is all yours as a member. Join monthly and cancel at any time or save by committing to a 6- or 12-month membership. Check it out at the 8020wonder.club and join us as that is the only way you'll be able to hear what I tell Isla where she needs to do to achieve the success she desires. Don't miss out on how to make your man wonder in the right way to have the divine right results you desire and deserve. Go now to the 8020wonder.club. That's the 8020wonder.club. You and your love will be glad you did.